We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, and I might say elsewhere. Uh, we've been in this series, Come Grow With Me. And there's a lot more to say about that, but of course today is set aside to honor fathers. And so I have a Father's Day message that I'm going to bring. But listen, what I'm going to be saying about to fathers uh, is applicable to all of us, but it also fits right in with this Come Grow With Me series. So keep that in mind. Without question, without question, you'd have to be blind not to see the direct attack Satan has and is bringing upon marriage and the family. I mean, that's so clear, especially in these last days. The LGBT or lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender crowd, along with their support from the media and the political and judicial arenas, is being used by Satan to assault and destroy God's ordained marriage as being between one man and one woman and all sexual activity to be confined to such marriages. And you know that is being uh, attacked venomously. And a major part of Satan's agenda is the indoctrination of our children against God and the Bible teaching and then indoctrinating them so they will accept the LGBT behavior and that agenda. That's what's going on right now. But standing, but standing in Satan's way is the committed Christian family, just like we had that dedication here for those that family, their little ones, and those churches where God's word is faithfully proclaimed and lived out, and no matter what the price, we will keep on doing that. And we will strengthen each other to do that. And dad, dad, you are a most formidable foe who stands in Satan's way when you train your children to use the sword. When you do that, you not only stand in the way of those who would pervert marriage and sex, but you also prepare your children to be well-trained soldiers, warriors, who will overcome this world system and who will stand firm for God and the advance of His kingdom. And that's what I want to focus our attention on this morning for Father's Day. Dads training their children to use the sword. And we're going to begin, and you have the outline there, and I'd encourage you to use that and fill that in. And we're going to begin with Dad. You must help your children understand that warfare is unavoidable. A lot of people don't think about that. You know, after all, we have children. We just kind of try to make it through life. Uh, you know, go to work and come home and do things with the family and provide for the family. And we don't realize how important it is that even early on you train your children to understand that warfare is unavoidable. By the way, there's a lot of Christians that have been saved for a long time, and they're not even uh, responding to the truth of that statement that they're in a war. I hope... You understand that. That's why you need to be in the Word. That's why you need to be in a good Bible teaching church. Because you are in a war. And believe me, if Satan could get at you and all the emissaries that he has at his hand, all those other fallen angels that have joined his band, they would destroy you instantly. But listen, if you're not aware in your warfare, they don't have to be too concerned about it. 
It's also to understand they're in the warfare and are preparing themselves to fight that fight and win. So, Dad, you must help your children understand that warfare is unavoidable. We're either victims or we're committed soldiers. Think about that with your children, your grandchildren, because a lot of us have grandchildren now. We are either victims, maybe even standing on the sideline, but still victims, or we are committed soldiers. Number one, their battle will come from within. And, you know, you can feel that, and you already know that. Their battle is going to come from within, as any parent knows. Your child will give you all kinds of opportunities for explaining to them the battle that rages within their little lives. One of the first words they learn is not just dada and mama. It's what? No. Yeah, you knew it, didn't you? No. Yeah, that little battle going on inside them. Ah, rebellion is bound up in the heart of every child. And there comes that most important time in their lives when you are able to help them see and understand what God has said is true of them as well as of every other person. And that is the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We think we know our hearts. God says, who can know it? It's desperate. Desperately wicked. And when your child becomes a Christian, think about it. When your child becomes a Christian, the battle from within really intensifies. Because now they understand right from wrong and they belong to the Lord. And boy, that battle just rages within them. And that's why, Dad, you're there to help them understand that warfare is unavoidable. Their battle will come from within, but number two, their battle will come from without. Wow. You know, it's not easy being a Christian today. There are a lot of great things about today that I like and uh, enjoyable, but you know, it is not easy being a Christian today. All the influences of the world that just, they're everywhere. You can't get away from it. You'd have to go into total isolation, and even then, I'm not sure you'd get away from it. With it, uh, from it, there's the allurement of this world system, along with all that peer pressure that comes upon our children. And as they get out of those wee little ages and get older, and they in school and around others, that peer pressure is very real. It's everywhere. They can't escape it, as I said. And then there's that unseen enemy, Satan, along with all those fallen angels who are committed to his cause. Though unseen, they are there to get your child to fall into sin, to be bound by sin. My, how many young people are bound by sin these days? It might be pornography, it might be drugs, sex, on and on it goes. It's very clear Satan wants to get at our children and claim them as his own. But, Dad, you're that formidable foe that stands in his way. By the way, sometimes it's the mom because the dad is gone. But blessed you moms that faithfully are true to God and his word as well, helping your children understand that warfare is unavoidable. Obviously, most children don't think about warfare, and they certainly are not prepared for it, though it is unavoidable. And you have a responsibility to help them see and understand that as well. We come then to our next major point in our outline. Dad, you must know how, you must know how to use the sword of the Spirit. Not just know about it. Every dad needs to know how to use the sword of the Spirit. 
In the Bible, in the Greek language of the New Testament, it was written in Greek, there are two different words that are used for sword. There is the hromphia sword. That's a Greek word, hromphia sword. You meet up with this sword in Revelation chapter 19, verses 15 and 21, when the Lord comes back to the earth, which I think is going to be very soon. Here's what it says. From his mouth comes a sharp sword. That, dear ones, is hromphia, so that with it he may strike down the nations. And the rest were killed with the sword, that's hromphia, which comes from his mouth, comes from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. I brought a hromphia for you here. Excuse me for just a minute. Which um, I will show you at this time. So you, nothing like an object lesson here to keep you awake. This uh, this would be the hromphia. Some of them are all different sizes, and uh, as the phone rings, we will uh, just <laughs> cut it off. You know, <laughs> it's uh, actually fairly sharp, and uh, they come from all different uh, types and styles. But they're big swords, and of course, it says it's coming out of his mouth which means that he but speaks and there's a slaughter. That's Armageddon that you're familiar with. Well, this is the Romphia sword that he's talking about. The uh, From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations. It's very picturesque, isn't it? And the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. We'll put this down here for now. Well, then you come to another sword, which is mentioned a number of times in the Bible, and that is the Greek word moxaira. I need to tell you a little bit about the moxaira. Uh, it actually came from what's called the gladius sword, and um, if the aromphia was a, a weapon of large size, the gladius is more like 18, 24 inches long. And uh, let me give you a little bit of the history of the gladius or the uh, known Greek in the Greek Bible as the Moxira sword. This sword was adopted from the clans and tribes of Spain. So it came from Spain. And uh, during the Second Punic Wars, when Rome and Carthage fought to destroy each other and dominate Spain, uh, the great Roman general Scipio Africanus took a liking to this Spanish sword. And he began equipping the legions under his command with it. Scipio then defeated Hannibal, the greatest general of Carthage, at the Battle of Zama, ending the Second Punic War. They credited Scipio's victory to his Roman army's use, listen to this, of the gladius sword. Now, they had other weapons, but they attributed his victory to that gladius sword. In combat, the gladius could be used for stabbing, slashing. In the crush of battle, that often occurred when two forces pressed against each other. The gladius was the weapon of choice, the moxira. It was ideal for this stabbing in these conditions when such swords as this, if you're in hand-to-hand close combat, you can't do much with this, you know. You just can't because they're up close. And so this became the weapon of choice 
for Scipio and the Roman army. It is said that the gladius weapon was the main Roman weapon through the rest of the Roman Republic as well as partially through the empire. The legions that poured from Rome to conquer the Mediterranean held this weapon in their hands. Now that would be a gladius, the moxyra. Men, this is the sword that God says through Paul, you are to be able to handle and handle it skillfully. This is the sword that you must teach your children to handle. From we little ones all the way up, they need to be able to handle this sword. And of course, he likens this sword to what? The Word of God. The Word of God. Amazing sword, isn't it? Let me put this here. We'll keep this one handy here. (laughs) I love it. I'm going to bring that more often. So number one. There must, there are two swords mentioned in the Bible. That's number one. And dad, you must know how to use the sword of the spirit. There are two swords used in the Bible. Number two, a dad is not to fight this battle alone or his battle alone. Boy, how we readily, easily, willingly fall into that category. A dad is not to fight his battle alone. When the Apostle Paul wrote his letter to the believers in and around Ephesus, we call the book of Ephesians, he was under house arrest and he was changed to one of the Praetorian Guards. Now the Praetorian Guard was the best, the elite, the special forces who guarded the emperor and the palace. They were the best, the elite of the elite, if you please. In the sixth chapter of Ephesians, Paul describes their armor because he's chained to one. And after that one left, another one came in, he was chained to that one and applies it to the believer's spiritual armor and weaponry. This morning, I'm going to speak only of the Praetorian Guard's shield and the gladius or the moxyra, his sword. Just those two items I want to talk about this Morning. In Ephesians 6.16, Paul writes these words. In addition to all, so he's added this, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That's what a shield was for. To protect them and to extinguish all those flaming arrows of the evil one. When someone is shooting arrows at you and throwing spears at you, you know that you are in a deadly weapon or deadly battle. You know that. And that's what God says. You and I, as believers, are in a deadly battle. This enemy's for real. This enemy wants to make you, put you on the sidelines. He wants to cripple you. He wants to make you so you're useless when it comes to God. As somebody often said to Pastor Mine, Satan may have lost you for eternity, but he hasn't lost you for time. He might have lost you for eternity if you've gotten saved, but he hasn't lost you for time. He does everything to knock you out of that. This morning I'm going to attempt to interpret what Paul had in mind, or I'm not going to, I'm sorry, I'm not going to interpret what he had in mind. I'm simply going to make an application when I talk about Dad is not to fight his battles alone. When Paul writes those words, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, he was looking at this praetorian guard. So he sees the sword here, the gladius from Oxyra. He sees his shield that he brought as well. 
And uh, Rome was famous. They became famous for what is known as the turtle. You say, how big was that turtle? Did he stick his head in and all that? Crawl about? No. The turtle was a device they used when the soldiers went out to war. As they saw the enemy was ready to fire the arrows and spears at them, they created the turtle. All these soldiers banded together, and they put their shields around, and they were completely surrounded all the way around, front and back sides, as well as on the top. It was just a solid shield. As you can understand, uh, those arrows were fired at them and the spears, but none of that could hurt them unless it got them in the legs, by the way, because those were showing. But that's called the turtle. And I want to make this application, not interpretation, application. One soldier could not do that alone in that battle. It took several soldiers. And men, in this battle you and I are in, trying to raise godly families, godly children, godly wife and so forth, and out there in the world system and the school system and you just go on and on with it, we really need each other to have those shields banded together to protect. That's what the church is supposed to do. That's what the elders are supposed to do. That's what accountability is all about. Having the turtle, if you please, those shields that are put in place. People praying for you. People that you're, some person that you're able to share your heart with, that you would never share with anybody else, maybe not even to your wife, but you would share it with that one person. There are so many men, young men as well, losing the battle. And you know you're losing the battle. And you struggle, what can I do? Create the turtle. Get other men who have that shield, who will stand with you, they will keep confidence and so forth, and will pray for you, and will hold you accountable, and will spend time for you. Somebody you could call any time, any hour, and say, look, I'm fallen, I need help. That's what we're talking about. And I, just by application of that shield of faith, I want to bring that home to you, that we need one another. Dad, he is not to fight his battles alone. By the way, even Paul, who is a disciple-maker, we know that. But I think about Barnabas. How great to have that guy in your life, right? A guy who was an encourager to Paul when nobody else would let him come around, the other apostles and so forth. And then later on, Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke wasn't just a disciple. I mean, Dr. Luke was a, a, a godly, mature believer, and he traveled with Paul, and not only for medical reasons, but he helped Paul as well. He held a shield, if you please, for Paul to encourage him. There was Aquila and Priscilla, but today it's a day of independence. It's a day of walking alone. And dear ones, when we do that, we fail. We fail because Satan knows it. He is a master warrior. I don't have to tell you that. He's been at that for thousands of years. He knows exactly how to get at us, but he also knows what protection we have that will defeat him. And so we do need one another. How strongly does God tell us in the Scriptures that the body of Christ is made up of many members who are to work together, and yet so many Christians not only consider the church optional or irrelevant, they seek to go it alone. They seek to go it alone. We really do need one another, and as the Bible says, listen, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do we not, we who know the Scriptures, do we not see how near that day is? We're talking about difficult times, wicked times, evil times, that time when the Lord is about to come back, when the tribulation will begin. Do we not see that? 
worldwide as well as in our own country. And he says we do need to gather together. Of course, you're doing that and bless you for that. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12 enforces this great truth that dad is not to fight his battles alone. That scripture says if anyone can over, if one can overpower him who is alone, if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Good verse. Ecclesiastes 4.12. I think of that verse in Proverbs 12, 27. It's a good verse for us men. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Number three, and dad, you must know how to use the sword of the Spirit. A dad must keep his sword sharp and ready. Your short sword has to be sharp, but it's got to be ready. It's got to be ready. Number A, let's start with daily devotions. You know, a lot of us guys take that for granted. By that, it's not that important to us. We, you know, get up whenever we get up. Some are real early risers. Some are late risers. Some, depending on your job, you have to be whatever. And, and, and you, you know, you get up and you get ready and, and you're trying to just get adjusted to the daylight. <laughs> And you have, uh, uh, you, you eat your breakfast, or maybe it's a quick thing you take on, on your way on the road with you. You stop by and get your coffee somewhere, or tea for you who are tea drinkers. Nobody laughed about that, but anyway, okay, that's another sermon. And, and off you go. And the problem is, day after day after day, week after week, uh, month after month, you go out the door not having time with God, not spending that quality time, just letting Him prepare your heart. You speaking to Him, sharing your heart with Him, sharing your struggles about work, about family, about whatever it is, and, and getting in the Word and letting Him speak to your heart. Let's begin. You, if, you, if your short is going to be sharp and ready, guys, it's so basic. What's, what's staggering is how many men never get to the basics. They, they, they never even get into daily devotions with the Lord. They figure, well, I've done it so far, and I just keep on. Things aren't all that bad. And, and by the way, you can see this is not just for dads. It's for all of us, right? But to cultivate, you, if you're going to have the sword in your hands, sharp and ready, then you must cultivate a time of daily devotions. This is not optional. This is imperative. Your enemy, he's ready. He saw you before you ever left the house. He sees you as you're going out that door. He sees you wherever you're going to work or school or whatever you're doing. He's re- And not only does he see you, he's got strategy. He's ready to knock you off, to pick you off. And so we begin with a basic. Let's start with daily devotions. I don't want to just talk about that. If you're here and you can say, you know what? I'm not going to tell anybody, but I don't have daily devotions. I don't spend time with the Lord mornings in prayer, in Bible reading. Then I want to challenge you. I don't care if you're... Eight years old or 90 years old, if you're not doing it, set up that habit and say, God, with your help, I'll do it now. I'll begin with that. I, I want to meet you and you speak to my heart and you prepare me and mature me through this so that I have my sword sharp and ready. Let's begin with daily devotions. Number B, your next step is knowing and applying specific scripture to your daily life and struggles. 
Everybody in this room, including me, has struggles. You're in a warfare. You're not way on the back lines. You're in a warfare. Satan's got your number. Fallen angels, probably at least one assigned to you. There's plenty of them to go around, by the way. And he is determined to destroy your effectiveness for the Lord. And so, your next step after daily devotions is knowing and applying specific scriptures to your daily life and struggles. Whatever those struggles might be or whatever they're going to be. Now we're talking about wielding your sword with skill, and that takes practice. You not only have it, it's not only sharp, not only in your hand, but now you're ready for combat. That's the point. And you're using the Scriptures. The Apostle Paul, I want you to be aware of this, uses a very key word. He selects a very key word in Ephesians 6.18. With all prayers and petition... I'm sorry, it's verse 17, verse 17, 670. And take the helm of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we know that God, the Holy Spirit, chooses each and every word that he placed in the inspired text. In fact, he even chose the word order because it comes from God himself. Look with me again at that verse 17. And take the helm of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Right away you notice that this sword is the Word of God and that it is the Spirit sword. It kind of, when I was thinking about that, I thought about David, you know, he needed a sword when he was fleeing from Saul and he went down there to, I think it was Nob, and the, the high priest said, well, there's only one, it's the sword of David, there's none like it. Well, guess what? This is the sword of the Spirit and there's none like it. Get that? Let that sink into your mind and my heart. This is the sword of the Spirit. What are we talking about? We're talking about the Word of God. This is the sword of the Spirit, and there's none like it. That's what he's talking about. Yes, I saw that. So it won't distract anybody, and we'll have a closing song. I'll pick that up. Thank you very much. Okay. So it's no ordinary sword. But secondly, the Holy Spirit chose a very significant term that is translated here, word. Now you're familiar with logos. And many, many, many times over, that's the word that's used for this book right here. The word of the Lord. Okay? Logos. And Christ is called the logos, the word. You know, the living word, the written word later on as well. But this term is not logos for the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This one is rhema, R-H-E-M-A, if you want to write that out, rhema. What's so unique about the Holy Spirit's choosing this term rhema, that's translated word in verse 17, instead of the use of logos? Well, let me let Vine's Expository Dictionary explain that to you and me. This is one that you don't want to miss if you're going to know and apply Scripture to your daily life and your struggles. Here's what Vine writes. The significance of rhema, as distinct from logos, is exemplified in the injunction to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God there in Ephesians 6.17. Here, the reference is not to the whole Bible as such but to the individual scripture which the Spirit brings to our remembrance for use in time of need. Isn't that good? 
A prerequisite being the regular storing of the mind with Scripture. End of quote. Ah, now we're talking about not just knowing about it, not just having it, not having it just sharp, but also knowing how to skillfully use it. That's what he's talking about here. A dad must keep his sword sharp and ready. When Satan came to tempt Jesus, what did he do? Remember that? Forty days out there in the wilderness? He came and he said, Hath not God said... And then what did Jesus do? He took the rhema of the Scriptures. He went back to Deuteronomy. He went back to the Psalms. He said, it is written, and he used that specific portion of Scripture to attack and destroy the devil, and afterward the devil left him until a more opportune time. Exactly what he will do in your and my life. And dear ones, this is why it's so important that dads, and sometimes it's a mom as well, it is if you're husband and wife, or maybe it's a mom alone raising children, it is so important that you teach your children how to use the sword of the Spirit by showing them you know how to keep it sharp and ready as well. That brings us then to our next major point, which really is the title of the message as well. Dad, you must train your children to use the sword. You must train your children. May I add, for us grandchildren, you must train them. As I said, the warfare is inevitable. You must train them how to use the sword. I'm only going to share with you seven examples, and, and that's so limited. It, it's all realms. And I'm using two scriptures, two Rhema, if you please. Two specific scriptures for each one of these seven. But there are so many more. And these are the seven battlefields that I have chosen. And you'll see there's, obviously, you you know from your own life, as well as you've raised children or raising children, you understand there's way, way more than just seven. But number one, Dad, you must train your children to use the sword. Number one, skillfully using the sword to fear God. Skillfully using the sword. Skillfully, skillfully, not just having it. Skillfully using the sword to fear God. You know, if you want to boil down what's wrong with America, becoming more and more exceedingly wicked and evil, and rebellion on all fronts, and it's going to get worse, not better, And the whole world that way. I'll tell you what the number one problem is. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's why. Of course, evolution has done a wonderful thing to to brainwash them to think that there is no God or I'm not accountable to the God. But that is exactly what's wrong with the world is there's no fear of God before their eyes. And that's what's going to be wrong with your children until you model before them and you teach them using the rhema, the specific sword of skillfully using of the Word of God to teach them to fear God. Now, there's many, many passages, but I'm using a couple. And I have it in your outline. Number one, number A, Deuteronomy 4.10. This is just to help you out, dads and moms. Deuteronomy 4.10. This is Moses speaking to the children of Israel. I love how he puts it. He says, Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me that I may let them hear my words. 
so that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. Now guess what? Their children would never hear God speak audibly. They did, out there at Horeb, at Sinai, but the children know. But he says, you will teach them the word and you will share with them the fear of the Lord that came into your heart when you heard the word. And dear ones, if you want a fear of God and you want to grow, you're going to have to get in the word of God and let him instill within you. Maybe even pray in your heart, Lord, help me to fear you and give you the right reverence and respect that you deserve. We take so much for granted because we're not in his very presence, meaning there's a form there before us and all that would cause us to be like John the Apostle, just fall down as a dead man if that were the case. And all those godly men like Daniel and uh, others, Ezekiel, and uh, uh, of course uh, John experienced that when they had that encounter with the Lord. Number B, Proverb 1-7, I said there's many others, many others. Just look up the word fear in the concordance and you'll find them. The fear of the Lord is a beginning of knowledge. That means true knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. No wonder we have rebellion. Foolish people despise wisdom. Talking about biblical godly wisdom and instruction. Well, number two, the second battlefield. Said so there's many. Second battlefield. Skillfully using the sword for conquering a disobedient heart. Very few children have a disobedient heart. Some of you catch it. That's a facetious statement. You know it. You and I wrestle with a disobedient heart, but skillfully handling the Word of God, that frame, and driving that home in your children's lives as well as your own life. And disobedient heart, number A, Ephesians 6, 2 and 3. Ephesians 6, 2 and 3. Here Paul writes, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Isn't that good? First commandment with a promise. So, here's the promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. That's a good promise. And to teach your children when they have a disobedient heart from the Scriptures. And have them nail that down. Another one, which is a little bit different, but John 3.36. And you can add your own to this. John 3.16, skillfully using the sword in the combat for conquering a disobedient heart. John 3.36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life but the wrath of God abides on him. To teach your children obedience. Dealing with a disobedient heart. Number three, the third battlefield. Skillfully using the sword for conquering selfishness and anger. I put those two together. You know why? Because watch little kids play. And this has got this toy over here. He's got the dump truck. This guy's got the steam shovel. What happens? They're both happy. Temporarily. Pretty soon the one with the dump truck says, I want the steam shovel. No! You can't have that. No, I want that. I'm going to take that. And what happens? Anger sets in. And then the feuding goes on. And you have to deal with that. And by the way, many an adult has a problem with anger. 
I'm not talking about righteous anger, which you're not allowed to let the sun come down or uh, go down on. You're supposed to deal with that as well, a righteous angle. Anger, and some of us don't even deal with that like we should. But many of us struggle with anger. Well, your little children will as well. And you need to take the sword of the Spirit, skillfully use it, that rhema, that little specific. That means in combat, know how to use that particular portion of Scripture. And that Scripture is John, I'm sorry, James 3, 14 through 16. So here your, your children fight with each other. They want something the other has. Or it might be you in a battle you're in. And what happens? You become angry and so forth. James 3, 14 through 16. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly. It's natural. It's demonic. Tell your children that. And if you're guilty of it, say, son, daughter, I'm guilty of this. It's natural. It's earthly, it's demonic, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder in every evil thing. Couldn't be more plain than that. But here's one that's really blunt when it comes to anger. Matthew 5, 21 and 22. This is really blunt. It's Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, because we like to make a big gap between, of course, murder, which you read about every day and see on the news every day, and hatred. Matthew 5, 21 through 22. Jesus, in a sense, has taken up the sword now and skillfully using it in our lives. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, huh, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Man, those are strong words. Nothing wrong with skillfully taking the sword and sitting your child down and saying, this is what Jesus has to say about anger. By the way, they'll see it in you as well, though, won't they? But skillfully, and there's many more that you can choose besides that, to skillfully use the sword of the Spirit in your life, in your child's life. Number four, skillfully using the sword for conquering defiance. (laughs) Defiance. You know, it seems like that's like a volcano that's mounting up more and more in our society. Defiance. Defying the law of the land. Defying authority in the home, in the church, and so forth, if you please. Skillfully using the sword to conquer defiance. 1 Samuel 15 22 and 23. 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23. Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Oh, these people could even go to church and do that. But he says, As in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, rebellion. There it is, defiance. Rebellion is as the sin of divination. And insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. He says to Saul, because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Teaching your child to overcome defiance. Again, being able to skillfully handle the sword. And in this case, you know what I'm talking about. Handle the sword of the Spirit. Not just the whole Bible, but knowing where in the Bible it relates to this situation. By the way, there's positives. It isn't all negative, but there are positives. Although I've chosen the negatives in the illustrations here. 
In Proverbs 29.1, and Roy, I do like the King James rendition of this, uh, he who hardeneth his neck being often reproved, no, he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed in that without remedy. You know, I thought about that. The sword. This time, it's not this sword. It's this sword. You think about the world. You think about the way the world's going to be in those seven years of tribulation. I mean, God is pouring judgments out upon the world. And uh, Satan's number one man, the Antichrist and the false prophet are in control. And what's happening? All this terrible. You talk about global warming. I believe in global warming at that time. Read Revelation those uh, seven years and you'll believe in it as well. And what do they do? Now, lots of people get saved. Don't misunderstand. A lot of people get saved. But the mass of society in rebellion blasphemes against God. They blame God and they blaspheme. It gets so bad. The defiance is so bad that God says the only remedy left is to come back with a rompia and to slaughter them. Because there's no other alternative. They will not repent. They will not turn to me. You don't want that to happen to your child as it's coming up as well. You want to teach them using skillfully the maxira, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, to help them overcome that defiance. Number five, skillfully using the sword for conquering filthy talk and swearing. doesn't take long for kids to pick that up. They might even get it out of their home, huh? In some cases, that's true. Filthy talk, swearing. Well, Dad, I'm talking to you in particular, but it could be moms. Maybe it's older siblings that can take skillfully the sword of the Spirit and find that specific Scripture that relates to that to help them know that and overcome it. And I share with you in that Ephesians 4.29. I love this verse. It's good. It says, command, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. That's a good verse. That's a good verse for all of us to commit to memory and put to use when we're in all these different situations where we don't want necessarily words of edification to come out of words. We want to blast away. Ephesians 5.4, and those two come out of Ephesians 5.4. There must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving a thanks. Listen, don't just tell your children, no, stop doing that. Take up skillfully the sword of the Spirit and skillfully use it in their life and help them to do that as well so that they can fight the battles and overcome Number six, skillfully using the sword to conquer for conquering lying. No child has a problem with lying. Not at all. You could add to this stealing and a lot of others, but lying. Well, let me give you some couple of framas skillfully using the sword. Proverbs six, sixteen through nineteen, and boy, this hits home. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, there are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. Teach your children that. Teach them that early. 
a lying tongue. And when you're guilty, then you need to confess that as well. And hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. You talk about the impact of this being an abomination when we lie. Look at Revelation 21.8 for B. Revelation 21.8. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars. Wow. And all liars. Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's pretty sobering. To sit down with your children, have a problem with lying and say, what does the Bible say? Now I realize that deals more with just not telling the truth. It talks about they're lying about Jesus and who He is and so forth. The atonement. But skillfully using the sword of the Spirit. Not just knowing it, not just having it, not just that it's sharp, but skillfully being able to use that to overcome our enemy on these battlefronts. And number seven, skillfully using the sword for conquering immoral thoughts and actions. And especially for boys and men, those temptations are everywhere. Everything is sold using sex. I hope you've gotten your Viagra lately. I mean, it's on television all the time. This stuff, years ago, they didn't advertise that stuff, but it's everywhere. And throwing it at you in the movies and so forth, in nudity and so forth. And now, wow, readily you can go and nobody but you and God will know it. You can go in and see all the pornography you want. And guys are falling in this. And guys are being enslaved to it. And they can't overcome it. I'm going to tell you, you will not overcome it until you learn how to skillfully handle the sword of the Spirit. And dear ones... If we, in our journey through life, had difficulty, can you imagine what these little ones are going to have in their journey when it's all just thrown out there more and more? You need to be able to help your children from the very start overcome that. And young men and men, if you are struggling with pornography, you've got to get that turtle going. You've got to get a couple of men that you know will hold you accountable. They will not share your confidence with anybody else. And you say, I am desperate. I am so desperate. I have got to break this habit. I thought I could. I sure I could. But I can't break that habit. And by the way, our little kids, they get around other kids. And they think nothing of going into those sites and looking at that. And so your children are subject to it. Even when you do your best to protect them, they're being subjected to it, possibly. But you've got to know how to handle the sword of the Spirit. This is a real battle for men and boys. And we want that victory to be ours. Let me share a couple of scriptures there, that frame of the sword of the Spirit. Ephesians 5.5. 5. And by the way, you pick out others as well. Ephesians 5, 5. For this you know with certainty. You know something with certainty. What? That no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Boy, that's heavy. That really strikes home. Philippians 4, 8. More on the positive side, but a wonderful verse we should all put, commit to memory, and use daily. Paul says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. 
dwell on a great verse, isn't it? Great verse to commit to memory or have your children as well committed to memory. Listen, Dad, this is not just quoting Scripture. And Mom, not just quoting Scripture. We're talking now about knowing the Word of God and putting it to work. You're on a battlefield. You're not going to be done with this battle. God calls you home. And you've got to know the sword. You're not knowing that you have the sword, that it's sharp, but you've got to be able to skillfully use that on that battlefield. And that turtle is a great, great idea. You need others to help you in that battle. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this so great a salvation. And Lord, there's no question in my mind that this is one of the most difficult times to be a Christian there is. Maybe for some of us, for a while in America, we can float along. And yet if we do that, Satan has won. We're on the sidelines. We're not in the battle. We're losing the battle. And I sense, Lord, as time moves along, it's going to be more deadly to be a Christian here than it is now. And Father, these are just some of the battlefields you know about. There are many, many more that we face day in and day out. And Lord, I pray for our dads. I thank you for the dads of this church. The young men who are not dads yet that are in this church, thank you for them. Oh God, protect them. Help us all, including the mothers and the young ladies, to be able to take up the sword of the Spirit, to take up the Bible, the Word of God, and to know specifically where those Scriptures are that relate to situations where we find ourselves in a battle. Help us to win, for you've designed it that way. Jesus, you didn't depend on your deity. You depended on the indwelling Holy Spirit and the use of the Word of God for living the victorious life during those years you were here. Help us then to pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and to conquer on these battlefields. Bless our dads. Bless our sons. Bless our daughters. Bless our wives. Would you continue to bless this church Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters, how precious and special and dear they are to my heart and for them helping me on my journey these 20-some years and my wife as well. Thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen.